When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the Girls and Boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Tuesday, May 14th, see Class B Boys at 5.30 p.m. Central and Class A Boys at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Gives to Watson, back to Palmer, shoots the three. Bang! A ring! A ring! JPJ! And the Huskers are now up by nine. Here comes the double team. Edie passes out of it to Jenkins. Three on the way for David. In and out and in again. David Jenkins with his third triple of the game. Rebound to Buffkin. He brings it up the floor. Half court. Throws it away. Indiana's going to win it. Indiana wins. Kicking off hour number three here on Herdat Sports Radio. I'm Ravi Lula. Anna Bellinghausen in here with me as well as we are on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, as well as KFOR in Lincoln for our hour number three. And we're brought to you by Dingman's Collision Center. Dingman's has been in business in Omaha for over 25 years, family owned and operated and voted best first place best of Omaha for 18 years running. They've got the latest technology to work on all makes and models. And the best part is they give back with every car repaired. Go to Dingman's.com to learn more. And we're hoping to learn more now from our friend Isaac Trotter, the National College Basketball Writer for 24-7 Sports. Isaac, how are you this morning? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I know you were out at Big Ten Media Days yesterday, and you had uh, some really interesting stuff on Twitter. You can follow along at Isaac underscore Trotter. Um, What were some of the biggest takeaways that you had from just initial reactions on Big Ten Media Days? Yeah, I think from a Nebraska standpoint, I think Fred Hoiberg really likes his team. You know, I think there's some real optimism here, and I think it's not, you know, unfair. This is a really old team. That was a constant theme that kept coming up with when Hoiberg was meeting with the media, both on Big Ten Network and then also in the breakout session. You know, the the experience, the versatility of this team, those are the things he really likes. And I think that there was a, a, a real breakthrough toward the end of last year and when you're able to go into the portal and flex your muscles a little bit and get really old veterans that know how to play basketball, like Green Fast, like Bryce Williams, Josiah Alec, like when you're able to get those type of pieces to build in with the solid core and foundation that you have, I think Fred Hoiberg feels really, really good about his group. And it's arguably, I don't think it's even close, honestly. It's the deepest team that 
Fred Hoiberg has had at Nebraska. And yesterday we did, we released our Big Ten, you know, preview and we pulled a bunch of league insiders and Nebraska came out 12th. And I'll be honest, I think it might end up looking a little bit dumb in a couple weeks because Nebraska has a, a, a roster here that's really, really old. We saw last year Penn State had the oldest roster in all the Big Ten. They were picked near the bottom of the league at the, big, at the beginning of the season, and they finished in the NCAA tournament. And I think Nebraska kind of wants to follow that same you know, game plan, that same roster construction idea. Isaac, you mentioned they finished 12th in kind of your straw poll. They finished 12th in the Columbus Dispatch preseason poll as well. What in your mind is the ceiling in terms of of Big Ten standings for a Nebraska team this year that obviously probably not as talented as the top of the league, but but where do you see them fitting in kind of best-case scenario? Yeah, I think that there's five teams I feel really, really good about in the Big Ten this year. I think Purdue is in a tier of its own, and then Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Illinois have a lot of veterans back um, and, and a lot of high upside, I think, with those four teams too. So I think there's five teams you feel great about and then you could convince me that Nebraska could finish as high as 6th or 7th. I think that would probably be the ceiling. And that would be a really, really good year, kind of a breakthrough year. I think if you're, you're looking from the conference standings perspective, if they can find a way to get to 10-10 and 10 in conference play, mm-hmm. I think that's a win. Maybe 11-9 and 9 would be an outstanding year for, for Fred Hoiberg and crew. Because you look at the middle of the Big Ten, and you know this is a league that has a lot of talent in the middle, but there's also a lot of questions. Ohio State has one of the youngest rosters in all of the Big Ten. They're very talented, but they're really young. Indiana has to replace Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen hood Shafino, two NBA players who carried a huge load. Now, sure, they loaded up in the portal, but we've seen guys come out of the portal and teams that build heavily through the portal not necessarily pan out. So, you know, everybody kind of expects Indiana to be good. I think there's a floor with Indiana that we're not talking a lot about. You know, Rutgers and Northwestern and Iowa, all three of those teams, are really good on one side of the basketball, but really bad on the other. So I think when you look at Nebraska, if they can just be solid offensively, I think there's defensive chops here to be decent. I think you're trying to see if you could be just solid enough to or offensively where they can get into that seventh and eighth range. Now, what does that take to get there? I think you're looking at Bryce Williams needs to be probably one of the best wings in the Big Ten, and I think he can. The Charlotte transfer, one of my favorite transfers in the Big Ten this year. You know, you, you need the point guard situation to, to get cleaned up a bit. And Jamarcus Lawrence is a guy that it feels like Fred Hoiberg and his staff have a lot of faith in. Jaron Coleman could potentially be in that mix as well. And then you need Kese to be Kese, right? And just be one of the <laughs> best elite shooters in, in the country. And he was absolutely fantastic down the stretch last year. You know, he had, I mean, I think his effective field goal percentage was in the mid-60s for a guard that was phenomenal in the final 10-plus games of the season. If he's that type of player all year long and you have these supporting cast pieces like Green Mask steps up and, and could be a, an effective Big Ten big man, you know, that, that's kind of the recipe, I think, for Nebraska to finish in the middle of the Big Ten. Isaac, from the sentiment you heard yesterday from Nebraska, does it seem like NCAA tournament or bust? Boy, that's it's hard to say that it's NCAA tournament or bust, but it, that's kind of their expectation. That's mm. kind of what it feels like, you know, it's, this is a program that hasn't made the NCAA tournament in a few years, and I think getting onto the bubble would be a, a really good step in the right direction. But I think it's not unrealistic for, for Fred Hoiberg to go into this, this season going, hey, like making the NCAA tournament is our number one objective, and it's something that we can reach. You know, Again, like I said, old teams win in college basketball, 
and Josiah Alec is a fifth-year senior. Jaron Coleman is a fifth-year senior. Rick Mask is a fourth-year senior. Juwan Derry, fourth-year senior. Bryce Williams, fourth-year senior. That's a lot of old, established guys that have been in, in the program and been in college basketball for a long time. And when you're 22, 23 years old and you're playing against some 18, 19-year-olds, that's, uh, that's a real advantage. So I, I don't think it's unrealistic that Nebraska could work its way onto the bubble. Can they make the NCAA tournament? You know, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to rack up quad one victories in the Big Ten because Purdue will be great. Michigan State will be great. I think the middle of the Big Ten is going to be good enough that, that Nebraska is going to have a lot of chances to get double-digit quad one wins. Isaac, one of those teams that you talked about feeling pretty good about in Wisconsin obviously has the Nebraska connection with Chucky Hepburn. Um, You know, he had some interesting things to say at media days yesterday as well. What were your takeaways from from Chucky's time uh, up there? Yeah, I think he is – I think he feels a lot better about where the direction of this program is going. And one thing that I'm working on right now is, you know, there are some, you know – allegations that he was going to enter the transfer portal and all of those things and leave and and he really was like it was funny he was telling me he was like that reminded me of like nba free agency because (laughs) i had no idea where that started and i was just kind of laughing along with everybody else like seeing what all these people's opinions were and so i think he just feels a lot more grounded and you know his third year in the program i'm a huge fan of his game and i think a lot of people looked at him as like the next johnny davis who's going to have a breakout sophomore year i don't think that was ever realistic i think he can be like one of those post type sleepers where you know everybody's expecting him to break out last year this year the expectations are a little bit lower and he's able to exceed them and be one of the best point guards in the big 10 i just feel like wisconsin as a whole you get five starters back you get a really good transfer out of st john's and aj store you can start to see the bones of a team being really good, but they can't be, you know, they can't reach their ceiling without Chucky Hepburn being one of those elite Big Ten point guards. And I think he's in a better mental headspace, and he's just ready to ready to attack. And I think he can be. And you know, defensively too, I think he's he's excellent, and he can be one of the best defensive point guards. So when when you have that combination of two way brilliance, you know, I think I think Wisconsin has a really high floor, but also a really high ceiling. It's, if he's like an all-Big Ten guy this year. Isaac, I'm curious about uh, another team that I think usually has pretty high expectations in Illinois. I guess what what have your takeaways been about uh, Coach Underwood with, uh, I guess, what he's done with this program? It seems like they always have pretty high expectations. It doesn't always seem like they live up to those. Where are you on just sort of the job he's done at Illinois so far and where they can go moving forward? Yeah, I think overall Brad Underwood has done a really, really good job making Illinois relevant again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were some lean years in the 2010s, and now Illinois is starting to, you know, they've made the NCAA tournament uh, multiple years in a row. It would have been four years in a row if if the NCAA tournament had been canceled due to COVID. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they have a roster that could do it again this year. And, you know, they're really old. You know, he's kind of done the Fred Hoiberg thing as well, where he went in the portal and tried to get 50-year seniors. And, so he has three fifth-year seniors coming in, and he's brought uh, two of his NBA prospects back in Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins. So I think overall Brad Underwood has done a really good job of changing the perception of Illinois basketball nationally and in the league. But I think that everything in the regular season is moot point until he gets the monkey off of his back, so to speak, in the NCAA tournament. And they've won a ton of regular season games. I think they have the most big ton wins in the last four years combined. No one has more Big Ten wins than Brad Underwood. 
but everyone continues to talk about March, and it's understandable. And he's built a roster that has a lot of length and athleticism and defense. I think they could be the best defense in the Big Ten. And they need to make the second weekend for people to finally, you know, get off his back a little bit and, you know, give him a little bit more credit for, for what he's done with this program. Isaac, I want to take this to a national scale and speaking to the conference level, there's a lot of talk of which is the best basketball conference across the board. And as someone and myself who covers the Big East regularly, it's easy for me to say, you know, that's the conference. But from your perspective in this uh, upcoming season, who do you think could be that top dog between the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Big East, ACC, SEC? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, honestly, I think the Big East, Big 12, and Big 10 have separated themselves as the three alphas um, in in college basketball. I I personally think the Big East top-end talent, nobody can match it. I mean, Marquette is phenomenal. Xavier was going to be really good until their front court players both went down with season-ending injuries. But, you know, you still have Creighton, who's going to be awesome. UConn wins the national title last year. St. John's goes and gets Rick Pitino. They're going to be really, really good. Providence gets their best two players back. They'll be really good. So like, they have like three top ten teams in the country right now, and then a bunch of others that could be really good. The Big 12 is absolutely loaded from, you know, when you add Houston to a Kansas roster that's really, really good, a number one in our preseason top 25. Uh, you get a perspective of adding – you know, Texas is going to be good for one the last year that they're in the league. So they, I feel like the Big East has more, like, top-end, high-end talent. And But I think the depth in the Big Ten and the Big 12 are slightly better. Like, the, I think the worst teams in the Big 12 and the Big Ten are better than some of the worst teams in the Big East at this point. Mm. But, it's, I mean, it's a really nuanced conversation because if, if we're judging, like, overall talent by, like, what your bad teams are, maybe it's not the Big East. But if we're judging it by how good your great teams are, it's the Big East. Like, and I, and I love that league, and I love watching them because the coaching and the playing, you know, the, the style and the talent in that league is just off the charts. And I think we're, we're due for a huge year in the Big East. For sure. We're talking with Isaac Trotter, the National College Basketball Writer for 24-7 Sports. Uh, staying with the Big East for a second and, you know, ironically talking about their bad teams one of their bad teams in recent years has been Georgetown. Obviously, they get a huge upgrade in coaching with Ed Cooley. There's a part of me that's always wondered if Ed Cooley could elevate his recruiting at a place other than Providence. Not that he did a bad job getting guys to Providence, but obviously Georgetown has a different profile. Um, what do you expect from him with, at least I think, access to better talent now that he's at Georgetown? No, that's a, that's a really, really good point. I think what um, Ed Cooley has done a great job of is he does not burn bridges on the recruiting trail. There have been a lot of examples in the past where Providence misses out on a really nice kid in the, in, in the recruiting process. He picks somewhere else, Bryce Hopkins, right? He picks Kentucky, and mm-hmm. that makes sense. But he doesn't burn that bridge. And when, he went, when Bryce Hopkins went into the portal, Ed Cooley was the place he should have gone, and Bryce Hopkins told literally everybody, he's like, I should have gone there in the first place because – Ed Cooley's my guy. Well, he's doing it again now at Georgetown. Jay Epps was a player that he absolutely loved, and Epps ended up picking Illinois, but Cooley didn't burn that bridge, and when Epps entered the transfer portal after a really good freshman year, Georgetown was the place right from the get-go that he was going. So I think that Cooley's done a really, really good job of recruiting guys. Like, people love him, and recruits just absolutely love him. But I think there's a little bit of a bad taste in their mouths when you kind of look at the history of Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a chance now where he can change that. 
I don't know how good they'll be this year, not because their roster is horrible, but just because how good some of the other teams in the Big East that they'll have to play. So I think they're going to take their lumps this year. But I don't think it's a situation where Georgetown's going to be bad for a long time because Ed Cooley's one of the best roster constructors in all of college basketball. And I expect him to be, you know, be very, very relevant with some of the top you know, recruits in the country moving forward at a place like Georgetown because that place wants to win and they want to win big. And I think he's going to have real resources at his disposal. Isaac, we've been talking about the Big East for several minutes now, and we have yet to mention who was the flagship program of the Big East very recently in Villanova. What are you expecting from Kyle Neptune and the way he's kind of put that roster together in year two? Uh, Do you expect a leap from him in that second year run in the program? I definitely do. I should have included them in that top dogs conversation with the Big East because they're right there with some of the other elite teams. I think we had them right outside the top 10 nationally. Uh, they've gone into the portal and crushed it. Hakeem Hart out of Maryland is awesome. Tyler Burton out of Richmond is really good. I think Villanova has the best wings in all of the country when you throw in Justin Moore and then TJ Bamba out of Washington State. Like That, that four-wing group right there is excellent. And there's a lot on Kyle Neptune to prove that he can get the most out of his roster. I don't think he did last year. That was a really talented team. Injuries to Justin Moore and to, um, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on their first-round pick, Cam Whitmore, who I absolutely love. Yeah, Yeah, right. Like, injuries to those two guys really kind of impacted their team. But I think also, like, they didn't necessarily get a ton. You know, they didn't get the best out of that roster. And this year, there's no excuses because this this team is loaded with really, really talented guys. And I think if they don't finish in the top four in the Big East, that's a problem for Kyle Neptune because this roster is one of the four best in, in the league, in my opinion. We'll have to bring up Creighton now, of course, <laughs> Robbie. Um, Isaac, as someone who looks at this Big East, and, and you know there's incredible depth within this conference as well, and, and there is some drop-off with, with the with the bottom half of the league, but you look at the competition that they're facing day in and day out in, in conference, when you look at the rankings, the preseason rankings, although they might not matter too much, where would you put a team like Creighton in the Big East, and then I, I want to know on a national scale, too, just from your perspective. Yeah, um, I, I think Creighton is my second favorite roster in the Big East, only behind Marquette, and I think they're like a top five to six team in the country. Like, they, they are phenomenal. And I think, you know, losing Arthur Kaluma stings, for sure, and losing Ryan Nemhard to, to Arizona, or to, um, excuse me, he transferred to... Gonzaga. I might... That's correct. You know, the portal is just crazy. It's been a whole long... <laughs> Everybody, it's okay. Right. Everybody thought, thought he was, was going to Arizona the whole time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Anyway, continue. So, like, they lose those guys, and that, that thing. But I think Stephen Ashworth can bring a really interesting factor to what they want in their backcourt. And if losing Ryan Nemhard means that you get more Trey Alexander, I think that's a really good thing for Creighton both now and into the future because Alexander's phenomenal. I think he had the fifth highest usage rate on his own team last year. Mm-hmm. That, that just can't happen. He has got to be one of the most featured players. I think he could be an All-American this year. And don't get me started on Ryan Kalkbrenner, who I think is one of the <laughs> best players in all of college basketball. I mean, if he wins Defensive Player of the Year in the Big East, he would join Alonzo Mourning and Patrick Ewing as like the only players to ever have done it three times. Like He is a phenomenal player. We did a top 100 players list, and we had Kalkbrenner number three in the nation just with his impact on both wow. ends of the floor. Is phenomenal. People and put him at number think, three in defenders list. Yeah, which is crazy. That, that is crazy bonkers. to me. 
that is bonkers. Bonkers. I mean, his on-off splits last year were just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, like Creighton's defense was just insanely good with him on the floor and looked way different with him off the floor. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I just think, like, I just think, like, when you add, like, Ashworth and Alexander and Shireman together, Baylor Shireman, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better three-man shooting group in the country. Like, they, they are like bombs away could they hit 253s combined this year like i don't think that's crazy like mm-hmm. and just that just that spacing that provides uh for for what their offense is like they have some depth questions but i like isaac trout the transfer out of um, um virginia i think he's going to be a really nice piece for them if mason miller takes a step forward fred king is a guy that is, yeah. is a, one of the best backups in the country jonathan lawson has a ton of length and athleticism so they have guys on the bench that you like, and Francisco Farabello is trustworthy. And so you have a lot of those pieces there in place that this team might be deeper than they were last year. And I, I think Ashworth could end up being, you know, maybe more useful than Nemhard. And I mean, that sounds a little bit weird, but just from a schematic fit with his ability to shoot threes off pick and roll, I think it's going to work really, really well. Isaac, want to ask you about kind of your national perspective. How many teams do you think – can legitimately have hopes of winning the national title this year. Is there kind of a, I guess in your mind, is this one of those years where there's a couple teams with a, in a clear-cut tier one, or, or there's, is there a little more parity at the top in your mind this year? Man, that's a really good question. I, I think I go into this year thinking Kansas and Duke and Marquette have to be involved in, in every single you know, national championship thing. I think I'd throw Purdue in there, um, Tennessee, Michigan State, Creighton, Connecticut, like like that's like eight teams right there that I feel <laughs> really good about. So it's it's different compared to the past, and I think I think a lot of it is retention, right? Like retention of some of your elite players. Creighton gets three of their most important players back. You know, UConn gets Donovan Klingon back and adds an awesome class. Michigan State gets a bunch of guys back. Purdue gets Zach Eady back. Duke. Yes, Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski back. Marquette, Tyler Kolek, and Olivier or, or, or Oso Iguodaro come back. Those are two huge pieces for them. Kansas gets Dewan Harris, KJ Adams, Kevin McCuller back. Oh, and the number one transfer in the portal in Hunter Dickinson. So I think those eight teams are pretty old, pretty talented, except for UConn. UConn isn't old, but they're super, super talented. But those other seven are old, talented, with a lot of retention. And I think those teams are set up to be really successful this year. And I can't wait for this season to get started. Like, this is going to be so much fun this year because there are some elite teams that are going to be duking it out in conference play all year long. And then March is obviously going to be loaded. So I can't wait. It's, it's going to be so much fun. And we only have, like, what, three more weeks to wait. Mm-hmm. Isaac, I'm super excited about the start of the season. Uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Big East teams, about the, um, about the coaches that are in the league now. I, I guess – where would you rank Coach McDermott from Creighton in that hierarchy of what is really a loaded Big East in head coaches? Man, that's wow, that's a loaded question. I think <laughs> Don't uh, want to get you in I trouble mean, here, but <laughs> I mean offensively, like if you're just going straight pure offensive coach, like he I He's mean, number he's one, one, right? Mm-hmm. I mean I, I think so. I think that's I don't think that's crazy to say that he's the best offensive coach in the con- in the, in the conference. So, like, you know, and then how do you factor in longevity? Because Rick Pitino obviously has the most wins of any coach in college basketball, sure. active coach in college basketball right now. So I, I, I'm not really good at the ranking things. I prefer tiers. 
there is no way that you could go through the tiers of Big East coaches and not have Greg McDermott as a tier one alpha coach. Like he is, he is one of the best coaches in the country offensively, and I think defensively. I really like some of the schematic things that they've done. Obviously, it helps to have a player like Ryan Kaufbrenner. Sure. Who makes makes life sense so much easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I like what he brings to the table. And, you know, I think that that moment last year that they caught on video um, after the, they lost in, in the Elite Eight, I thought that was a really touching moment saying, like, hey, we'll be back. Like, this is just the beginning for Creighton basketball. And I don't think that's the easiest job in the country. But McDermott makes it look pretty easy, and he's been able to build this into a monster, and I think they're going to have a huge year. So I, there's not many coaches in, in the Big East that I'd want more than, than Greg McDermott, just with what he does on the offensive end of the floor. Isaac Trotter, great stuff from you. We appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll talk to you again as the season moves on. Sounds good. Anytime. That's our friend Isaac Trotter from 24-7 Sports, National College basketball writer. Man, ton of great stuff there. We covered a lot of ground from Big Ten Media Days to the Big East and kind of everything in between. Uh, really appreciate Isaac's time there. All right, coming up next, uh, we will have more of Herd at Sports Radio here on AM590, ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities, and KFOR in Lincoln.